Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Gio Gallo. Gio has a company called Compliance Line. I hope I got that right. And he is here to talk to us today about a lot of different things. But the thing that intrigued me the most was his assertion that the human element in compliance is not only mandatory, but it's never going away. And that's a topic that I think a lot of compliance practitioners, uh, if they're not worried about or thinking about. So that incredibly long-winded introduction, Jill, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. I'm real glad to be here. I love what you do and I'm glad to be a part of it and hopefully we can help some people out today. Great. So why don't you first tell us a little bit about Compliance Line, how it came to exist, your role, and what market need do you guys fulfill? Yeah, sure. I love telling our story. I'm real proud of our team and how we got here. So today, Compliance Line helps compliance leaders and leaders who care in a few different ways, generally giving them actionable information so that they can take care of their people and take action. We do that through issue intake and case management, some software for compliance professionals, hotline, online, mobile, and texting intake, as well as some specialized background screening through sanction check and also do license monitoring. So we were started by compliance consultants, and these were compliance experts that help people fix problems in their in their business and in their organization. And they realized that those fixes often fell apart because one of the issues that they identified contributed to that was a bad hotline. There wasn't good engagement from employees and they got bad information out of that hotline. And sometimes that's just because the people taking the intake are not doing it right. They really realized that there are a lot of vendors who say they're doing a compliance hotline that are really a poor excuse for what's needed. And the sad thing is that we were started over 20 years ago and that mismatch still happens today. So we're still helping people with that. And our founders, the compliance experts, teamed up with some co-founders who were professionals at managing hotlines and call centers and built this company with a focus on helping people for the long term, really giving the service and the product that was going to actually help the compliance professional rather than just selling a contract. And I now am co-CEO of Compliance Line with my brother, Nick Gallo. We joined the company just over three years ago, and we joined to continue the mission to kind of pass the baton from the old owners and really build the future that we're really excited about for Compliance Line. The reason we came on was at our core, Nick and I, we grew up in an entrepreneurial immigrant family, and we really just want to make a difference, a positive difference in people's lives. We also saw that this compliance industry needs better vendor partners. I worked a bunch in healthcare before this and kind of saw the power of a good partner. This industry has more challenges from regulations and the culture in our society and just the problems that people experience. Those teams are kind of budget constrained and have a lot to do and they need better service and better technology. And this company had great products and sanction check and our helpline and things like that. Great people and had longstanding relationships with clients who are some of the best and most caring and most professional compliance professionals in the industry. So we're just trying to help more people each day. And today we care for the leaders who care for 6 million people around the world. And we're just trying to do more of that as much as we can. Older brother, younger brother or twin? Uh, he is my older brother and, uh, you know, he'll remind me of that. I'm still trying to catch up to him. 
<laughs> well, I remind you of that every second of every minute, every day. We all know the older brother's the better one, right? That's right. That's, at least that's um, what they tell me. Well, you are truly a first. You're not the first co-CEO, but you're the first co-CEO with his brother that has been on any of my podcasts. So kudos. I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> so, Jill, many in the compliance field, and this is, you specialize in a regulated industry, but it's also true in the commercial corporate world as well, the regulators have told us that they believe data is important. They believe it's important that you collect data. They believe it's important that you analyze data. They believe that it's important that you use data in a continuous monitoring and more importantly, continuous upgrade or continuous improvement basis. Definitely. So that's led, I think, appropriately to data becoming more important, but also automations becoming more important. It's a Oh, yeah. leads me into the question I wanted to pose to you is why do you believe that while technology is certainly necessary to process large volumes of data quickly within regulated industries and non-regulated industries, it cannot be allowed to or replace the human element. So what's the basis for your belief in that? Yeah, so let's talk about that. So you make a great point that whether you're regulated or not, this trend exists and we provide services to people in highly regulated industries like healthcare and finance and universities and also in less regulated industries like manufacturing and telecom and distribution and things like that. So let's start with this. Automation works great for machines. You can tell your inbox that every single time you get an email from this very specific address, put this label on it. It's going to work great. You can give that rule to a person and it's not going to work as well, but it's pretty clear and they're going to get it most of the time. So let's imagine kind of that, what is the ideal world that the machines and the robots are going to eat up? So imagine as a compliance professional that all the people that you're caring for or might cause risk for you, somehow a machine is tracking every action. It's categorizing everything that someone does. Everything's indexed and evaluated by AI. AI is going to track the reasons and all of that stuff. Well, how far away is that? Depending on who you talk to, maybe it's three, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 50 years away. But things are still going to go wrong and need correcting, even if we had that massive coverage by automation and intelligence and machines and all that. And there are really kind of three problems that are going to come into that, that we're going to need humans for the foreseeable future. And we think for a long time, maybe forever. So one is that you can't define every scenario and every interaction and what should be done. Another is that as long as people are involved, you can't count on people doing it all. Going back to that inbox labeling thing, your inbox is probably going to get that right because it's doing it. If there was a human review, they might get that wrong. And really the big thing, and I think that this is where the edge is, where compliance leaders can really gain an advantage in protecting their people and moving their mission forward, is getting the solution for good information and good improvement in what's going on. You need people to find that information. You need people to make the plan and you need people to roll out those fixes, especially to the extent that those fixes involve other people. It's not going to be just a code and a message to someone and their behavior changes. This is interactions and these are people. And that human element is not only going to remain an important part of the process, but I would posit that it's going to become more and more important as the rote and the repetitive tasks are automated, the difference is going to come from thoughtful people who care really doing the right thing. So hotlines and the work of compliance line seem to me to really straddle both data and the human element. Oh, yeah. Uh, certainly the data that's generated from a hotline communication, a complaint, a report, the uh, follow-up, any investigation, if any, 
and the uh, resolution of that investigation, whether that be a remediation or something else, is one data point or set of data points. But the thing that struck me was your emphasis on the human element of every one of those data points in a hotline experience. So a call into a hotline, a report back to or a communication back to a hotline reporter, keeping them involved, communicating with them at the conclusion of the investigation or whatever the decision tree is, doing that in a way that is both respectful, but also moves the goal of compliance forward. I was wondering if you could really talk to us about why the human element is certainly critical in compliance, but within the realm of hotline may even be more important. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up, Tom. And I just want to echo that both of these things are important. And as we talk about this human element, that doesn't mean that you can go without the automation and the technology. It just means that those elements are going to be those technological elements over time are going to get commoditized. 20 years ago, it cost thousands of dollars to build a website. Now you can do it for free on any number of services. And you know that's just going to keep happening. But this human element, there's always going to be room for improvement. So why is that critical? We have that technology. We have a lot of options for intake. You can get issues reported on the web through a mobile phone. We have texting reporting. And the thing is, some vendors are even going to try to push more traffic to the web. And they like doing that because it's cheaper and they're still going to charge you the same for covering your employees. What we've realized that our clients who care the most and really are trying to push to get better all the time, that continuous improvement thing that you were talking about, they recognize that A, their employees should have the option because some people are going to give them better information over the phone, and B, that some issues and some people are just going to engage better over this human interaction over the phone. So we like to think of the goal of any of these processes to be actionable information for the compliance leaders and have that balanced against cost and effort, right? Someone doesn't need to call into a hotline to reset a password, right? That's something that can be automated and things like that. But the real key here is that people expect that human caused problems with human required solutions have human considered interactions that a bad manager was being abusive, that has a strain on me, not just on the way that boxes move through the warehouse. And I expect that someone takes a look at this rather than just going through just a checkbox system. You can imagine if someone's been harassed, they've been ignored about it, they've been insulted and maybe even held back into their career, this is gonna be an issue that for them communicating this, this is gonna be complex. It's gonna be emotional for them to go back and talk about this thing. And at times it's gonna be hard for them to convey exactly what happened versus how they felt about it and things like that. And they're going to need a guided, and this is key, also an adaptive intake process that if you just force them to go through these questions in a very rote survey, it's not going to be a positive interaction for them as much. And you're also not going to get as good of information. At the end of the day, that person, especially in that extreme scenario, they really need to feel heard and they need to feel that their issue was authentically considered by someone who really is going to do something about it. And that's always a challenge with these types of intake methods. And they can't just answer the questions in this stiff force process that someone, when they set the IT system up, thought would be good enough for every issue. And you can think about this continuum from a password reset is very easy to just kind of structure what do you need, what's your email address. This harassment issue has a lot of complexity to it. And it also has a person who's involved who really needs to be cared for in that process. And that comes across best in a hotline. So you really went through, in my mind, the life cycle of hotline reporting 
starting with initial report, then intake. And the interesting thing is in Q4 of 2018 was an academic paper from a professor from George Washington who looked at the impact of hotline reporting systems. Not simply did a company have a hotline, but really articulating all of the steps or looking at all of the steps that you just articulated in the life cycle of a hotline report. Yeah. And his academic study found that there was actually a material difference in material cost savings to corporations that had robust reporting systems. So I was really interested in how you tied all of those human elements overlaid with the technological capabilities in that really drove home to me his academic. There's a, yeah, I get that. Yeah, the international hotlines are becoming a little more prominent, one, because of GDPR and data privacy concerns. But in my world, anti-bribery and anti-corruption world, the Department of Justice is requiring companies to not only have an international hotline, not only have a local language hotline, but really make sure that those calls that come in internationally are given the same force and weight as one would in the United States. So I was wondering kind of your thoughts on everything we've talked about in terms of the human interaction. I would see that as even more important in the international setting. What's been the experience of Compliance Line? Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And I think that it's different. And by all means, international call is definitely not less important, right? These are people and these are issues regardless of where they are. There's some different challenges that come up with those international calls. It can be more difficult given language and cultural differences. And even if you have no language barrier because you have an in-country call center, the international nature of this implies that maybe headquarters is in a different country and it's going to have potentially a different culture. So one big element of this is oftentimes in international location for, call it a U.S.-based company, those employees often already feel like they're kind of second-class citizens. They're you know not as close to the home base and things like that. And you want to fight that perception because the things that make this more effective is when employees engage in the process, they trust the process, and they have a good experience and either report again or tell other people that they should. So you want to fight that perception because that person and that issue is just the same because that person matters and the risk is just as important. So, you know, you want to have the same kind of empathetic intake, flexible, you know, adaptive interview process throughout this and also have ways to understand how that should be tailored or considered differently in that cultural context because other countries have different standards and expectations around what a whistleblower is. We see different levels of reporting in various countries based on just how people look at that, different trust of a company and different type of relationship with their employer and what they expect out of that. And there are all those types of nuances that might change how you communicate and build awareness for this, how you need to explain concerns or kind of answer frequently asked questions about how that hotline is handled. And those are all things that deserve additional consideration in addition to kind of the standard human pieces and just the standard things that you want to have around language and location and things like that. One of the things that struck me, impressed me actually, about your website is you have a large number of resources. You have a podcast resource. Kudos there. (laughs) Thank you. White papers, you have blogs, reports, and a wide variety of other information. And there was one of the blog posts that I wanted to ask you about, and it's around empathy. That is recognized as a soft skill needed by a compliance professional, but there's not as much of a discussion 
of empathy in the delivery of a compliance solution. In a blog post entitled, I Hope Things Get Better for You, The Importance of Empathy in Compliance Reporting, you guys had hit it not on the head, but you hit it on the head in a way that not many compliance practitioners think about or talk about. So I was wondering if you could give just a few words about that concept from your perspective. Oh, sure, Tom. I appreciate you noting that. It's something near and dear to our heart, both because it drives effectiveness and we also just think that it's the way to show care and respect for people. So if you can allow me, I'd love to give a quick shout out to Amanda Hosenfeld. She's the one who wrote that article. Everyone in our company lives these values in the spirit. She's our learning and development coordinator. She cares for our employees, not just their knowledge and their professional skill development, but also their experience at work. And she co-hosts our Compliance Live podcast with Kaylin Gomka. So she authored this. I definitely want to give her credit for it because she did a great job on it. So the thing is here, you can't hide behind the web form. A web form is expected and designed to be cold and structured. That's what's efficient and that has its benefits. But a hotline, whether... It's simply this hotline solution, whether it's simply done by your administrative assistant in some cases, or it's done by a vendor who outsources their call center piece, which a shocking amount of compliance hotline vendors do, or it's someone like us who we really try to be an extension of your team. You want to give a strong impression through this of what you really want to communicate as a compliance professional. So it's this Empathy is great when it works, and this hotline piece, when you have a very cold demeanor, it can be very damaging. So obviously, as we're talking about empathy, that's always going to exclude validating or admitting something that's happening. We're not going to say, oh, yeah, I bet that certainly happens. We have no idea whether it happened or not. But we can tailor our questions to the things that someone is asking us about. We can give people the room to get it out. Sometimes people just need to talk through how bad this was and how frustrated they are by it. And we need to kind of let them engage in that process and then kind of bring them back to, okay, well, we also need some of these details. And we can also do some things to assure them about the security of the process, the things that are and not, not track their ability to be remain anonymous. So those are all some tactical things that we do. And really all of that is wrapped in this approach that we really spend a lot of time, not just on the, you better click here and make sure that you understand this regulation. We cover all of that stuff and all of our employees here are certified compliance analysts, but we really also give people training on this empathy piece because we believe that not only is it the way to show respect to somebody, but it also, when you engage with them and you understand where they're coming from and you ask questions in an understanding way, you're going to get better information so that our clients can follow up and find out about and close that issue faster and ultimately take care of damaging risks more quickly when we can do a better job on this front hotline piece. Really, all of these things that I'm talking about that you can gain from a hotline, they take work and we put the work into it. But doing it right is going to make compliance professionals better. It's going to make people safer and it's going to make companies succeed. And we think it's worth the work. So, Jill, what would you suggest, or maybe the better question is, what has been the experience of Compliance Line in terms of the type of reports that are most helpful to a compliance professional at the end of the lifecycle process of reporting? Yeah, so universally, it's easy to say these things, that they're getting full, clear information that can be confirmed and can be investigated. So whether it's a very severe, immediate issue or it's kind of this nagging thing that might turn into something bad, you know, full, clear information that they can take action on is really a big piece of it. As you kind of dig into that, understanding whether this is a pressing, urgent issue or it's the early makings of something that can become a problem, the earlier they can find out about something, the better. So we encourage everybody, both 
compliance leaders as they're building their awareness campaigns. And also anyone who's listening to this, who's an employee, you should follow the guidance of your compliance team. They're going to be giving you guidance around your industry and which things should be prioritized and things like that. But we think that compliance intake and reporting like this should be like voting, right? Do it early and often. So early means don't wait to witness five fraud incidents before you say, ah, maybe I should talk to somebody about this. When you see it the first time, you should report it. And often means that based on the guidance from your team, don't just report the craziest thing that you've seen in five years. If it meets the standard of anything that's a problem, then you should report that. And really those compliance teams want to take care of everything. And the things that are most helpful are the things that uh, allow them to take clear action to triage and prioritize their issues and obviously take care of the biggest risks externally and take care of the things. And this is where compliance is really moving as we head into the future. Take care of the things that are going to protect their people and release them to really contribute their gifts to the mission of the company. So, Gia, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if anyone wanted more information about yourself or compliance line, how could they find out or how could they contact you? Yeah, sure. Thanks for that, Tom. Complianceline.com is the best place to start. You reference a resource section and we're always adding to that. We're posting videos to several channels on YouTube. If you like social media, we're Compliance Line on both LinkedIn and Facebook. And we're on Compliance Live, L-I-V-E, like our podcast on Twitter and Instagram. People are welcome to email me directly at ggallo at complianceline.com. And like I said, we have that Compliance Live podcast. That's us sharing the best of what we know to help compliance leaders and employees. And stay tuned for our ethics expert podcast, where we'll be sharing the personal stories of compliance leaders. Jill, this has been a fascinating exploration. You really took a deep dive into multiple topics that hope we can maybe flesh out in some podcasts in the future. So thank you so much. So glad to be here, Tom. Thanks for what you do. You help a lot of people. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.